I am Evan Kunai, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Christopher Ritter. What's up? Hey, Chris. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you, Evan? I am... I'm ready to kick some butt, dude. I've been having a pretty decent morning, had a few too many cups of coffee, and um, I'm going to top it off with a Dr. Pepper. So, Ooh, Dr. Pepper. I'm drinking an off-brand beverage, uh, by the way. I'm drink- I, I was in the, uh, the store right before this episode, and I picked up a Clearly Canadian. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. I, I thought you were going to say you're drinking like a Dr. Thunder right now. No, fuck off, Dr. Thunder. Uh, clearly Canadian is, I guess, a Canadian. Uh, oh, it's from Whistler, British Columbia. It's it's just like a flavored seltzer, but nice. it seems fancy. It, it's it's a pretty, like, uh, uncommon. I, I wouldn't say it's a rare item, but an uncommon item. Canadian seltzer. I dig it. I'm into it. But you have to know that this is the number one podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering and Dr. Pepper Welcome in, everybody. It's the Mock Stars podcast. I'm glad that I interrupted the tempo of the opening to talk about Clearly Canadian, by the way. I and am, now I'm interrupting a second time to point it out. I'm not Continue. upset about it. I think that yeah. it contributes immensely to, to the overall product. So it's it's one of those things that uh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Nothing nothing mm-hmm. took away from the experience at all. But right. Now seamlessly back to the intro. And we're back in it. This is the Mock Stars Podcast, If You Nasty. And if you would like to support the show, you can do so by finding us on YouTube, where you can see my lovely face on the video. You can hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and hit that bell for more notifications. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms and join our Discord community server where we're all talking about CDH, and I'm dabbling way more in Arena than I ever have before, so I'm trying to open the door on conversation there as well. You can support the show by finding us on Patreon as well. There's a link in the description below on the YouTube video where you can become a supporter of the channel. For $3 a month, you get access to two private channels on the Discord server. Your name turns Dr. Pepper Red, and you become an official Pepperhead. You also get early access to all these arena videos, which I've been posting. I uh, just put one up for early access this past week, and it went public on the following Wednesday. So if you'd like to get early access to any new arena videos or anything like that, please go on Patreon and subscribe there uh, Yeah, to help support the show and keep making content like that happen. Today, Ritter... You said you had something in your mailbag, something that arrived recently. What'd you get, man? Oh, the Nilsham Kickstarter arrived. Uh, I got a uh, stitched edge playmat of the March of Otherworldly Light art, which I know is like a favorite of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then I also got a, a, two sets of his foil tokens, which are uh, pretty nifty tokens. Um, it's, it's a pretty extensive set of tokens. I think there's like 30, 30 unique tokens, something along those lines. Um, and then the thing I want to talk about though, is in addition to the Nils ham art itself being beautiful, the foiling on these is super sick. It's like a sort of layered foiling. There's a tension to like the detail of where the foiling effect is placed. Um, you know, you can definitely tell that like the artist was involved in, uh, the feedback of the foiling rather than just, you know, uh, 
the generic foiling effect that's applied to magic cards in general. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, super rad. Nils Ham uh, tokens, they're probably available outside of the Kickstarter. These things often end up for sale um, outside. I don't know for sure, but it's worth looking into. If you need some cool tokens, they're really, really cool. Yeah, I like Nils Ham is a legend. So it it doesn't even surprise me at all that he would have the ability to reach out to whatever company he wanted to and get the print quality that he desires, get so many tests to and from, figure it out and make sure that all the like cuz yeah, that is what magic cards are missing and something they used to do was layer the foiling and mm-hmm. you had said uh you told me uh off the record that yeah, like some parts are just like obviously meticulously like the foils are layered in a way to make certain things shine and other things Evan, that was supposed to be off the record <laughs> sorry dude i do i'll edit that out can you edit it out yeah yeah okay i'll yeah, uh, I mean, i'll I cut don't that, want out. that getting out there i don't want the details about the foiling getting out there man Come it's on. like well wizards of the I don't coast and trace back to me i don't <laughs> need wizards that of the ghost might find out <laughs> And then they might dramatically improve their print quality. Oh, God. We wouldn't want that. We wouldn't Keep want that. the crap, guys. Well, that would mean their profits would take a dip. They'd probably lose a significant percentage in investing in decent print quality. We wouldn't yeah, want I, that. I, I mean, this is this is not a, a topic we anticipated talking about. But uh, behind the scenes, there has been a lot of high-profile uh, layoffs at Wizards uh, in the Ooh. D&D and in the Magic uh departments it's worth looking into if if you want to follow that sort of stuff but let's not get into it yeah i saw uh, i did see that that is uh part of a conversation to have because of like price increases and new products being like coming out and it all like it doesn't add up so yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the general capitalist story of, like, you know, chasing profits. And, and you know, the people that were let go are sort of the people uh, are uh, quality generating and not profit generating divisions, I think. Right. And they're going to be the most vocal because if anything we've seen lately is that these people are once they're laid off, they're getting on to social media and they're like blasting wizards with a, a well, a ton of fair criticism. Uh, so if, if you, the listeners, have heard anything about it or you have any opinion to share on it at all, you can leave a comment down below. And uh, we love to interact. We want to have that conversation with you. You can also have that conversation on the Discord server. We can we understand how it can be a bit touchy at times uh, when people are chasing profit. So. Uh, but anyway, the game itself, I guess. The game itself. We're back to it. Another crazy thing. Well, maybe not crazy, but it was uh, anticipated. Ravnica Remastered is a set that's coming out this next month. And, or maybe it's this month. I can't remember. Either way, not important because we're talking about some of these reprints that are coming out. And honestly, there's a lot of ass and a little gas and that the thing is is that there are just some questionable uh like there's sometimes when the company will go ahead and they'll uptick something to like mythic or they'll downtick something to rare or to uncommon and like there's a few things here that really sort of make me like raise an eyebrow and the first one is a reprint that commander players 
across the world have been wanting, and that is a reprint of Guardian Project. And so we have it here in in Ravnica Remastered, except they've ticked it up to Mythic. So a card that is already $30 plus is being reprinted and will not really be seen in any significant amount to really affect the market at all. This is a card that I think we've seen in recent reprint sets as well is that we'd all hoped that when Dockside was reprinted, it would bring the price down to something that was like manageable. And it was $55 for a minute. And then it just steadily climbed right back up to where it was before. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be like the same deal with guardian project. And a lot of these reprints that were highly sought after in the first place is they're going to be hard to get because most everything that people want is at mythic or rare. So there's a lot of like uh, guardian project is a great card. It is casual, pretty much casual only. And I'm really confused as to why they would uptick it. Yeah. I I mean, there's, uh, I don't know what the calculus is on this stuff, but uh, I mean, I think the price is going to take a hit regardless of the uptick uptick. Uh, I mean, if you look at Dominaria, a lot of the prices across the board just dropped on those reprints. So yeah, and there is a balance to be had for sure where there's like there's certain cards that are expensive due to like scarcity. So when like I'm not sure if this like means the like pro, like Protean Hulk is not a very expensive card as it stands. It's very powerful, but I'm not sure how expensive it actually is, and I think this reprint will actually finally bring it down to like three or four dollars a piece. Yeah, which that's, is that's great. probably where it's gonna sit. I, I think it's under ten. Yeah. So this reprint so. to make it make sure that this card is available, even though it is just notorious for being a combo engine, uh I, I do think it finally brings it back down to like that sub five where it's gonna be consistently sub five dollars. But we get a lot of other really tasty reprints here. Notably, this is where Wizards of the Coast has decided to get their War of the Spark reprints in. That set was did like the battle for War of the Spark did take place on Ravnica, so it does kind of make sense, even though that whole set was just a mishmash of planes and planeswalkers all coming together. They've chosen this as a way to get some of those sneaky reprints in, like Spark Double, which is was growing in price and growing in popularity it is still rare so awesome we don't have to like rip packs for days to find one but it is such a great card and i'm glad it finally gets a reprint because i think it was at about 18 dollars before this i'm excited to see where that one goes moving forward because if it ends up being sub 10 i think that's where it like it should be I'm just gonna yeah, I mean, up. same deal with like Dark Confidant, where that is a card that used to be very powerful, um, but at this point should be sub ten, and and yeah. I think this reprint will will probably get it there. Yeah, like Dark Confidant's not really even being played at all. It used to be, you know, like CDH viable, but then, well, life became a resource. Adnos became a significantly like influential win con, and so we see less and less of it. So, and especially in decks that are a bit chunkier. So another mythic that we're seeing is Lord of the Void, which is a great casual commander card. We're seeing Utvara Hellkite. 
Liliana Dreadhorde General, which was again another one of those like crazy climbing like high price cards. And then we get Bruvac the Grandiloquent, which uh was only printed in Jumpstart. Finally gets a reprint here at Mythic. The only thing that indicates that Bruvac is in fact Azorius is the Azorius like symbol that they decided to print in the background of the text on the card. But otherwise there was no indicating factor to say that Bruvac was was or was not from Ravnica. Hey man, lore is important. Lore. Someone was keeping track. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so as far as like value for the set, it seems pretty thin because we're getting Dreadbore at rare. We're getting Cindervines at rare. Um, there's a lot of potential to pull absolute duds here in the rare slot. So yeah, I don't see anything worth pulling. I mean, in, in multicolor, like Deathrite, uh, Teferi Time Raveler, maybe. Uh, besides that, it's pretty slim pickings, yeah. value-wise. Yeah, like Thibblethip uh, the Lost is not a great reprint at rare. And if you're trying to like build a set that's balanced for draft, I get it, right? And you want to make mean, sure yeah, that I mean, yeah, this experience... looks like a, a great set to draft, but uh, as a value proposition, it's not there. No, and uh, that's ultimately where the company has run into itself, is e eating its own tail is that they want to like support this format, but then there are all these people out there who are just buying packs for value or set boosters or whatever. So I'm not sure if you saw, but they had, well, in the report where they decided they were going to launch play boosters, they had also said that set boosters were eating into draft booster sales, which is why they decided to combine the two and create the play booster. And that just says, that speaks to the volume, like a lot of volume about the problem itself is that, People aren't buying to play or aren't buying to draft. That community is getting much smaller as we move forward and realize that Commander is, well, the set that everybody or is the format that everybody wants to play. And also, like, draft is great on Arena. Yeah. Like, true. And you don't generate chaff. That's just like a burden on you. Oh, like, my you're God. not expecting to get value out of draft to begin with. And, like, so you might as well just do it like as a way to do like free to play on arena or something. Yeah. If you are listening and you are trying to build your collection, do not do it by buying someone else, someone else's like bulk. You'll never get there and it's just going to be a huge waste of money. But uh, as far as like notable reprints from the set, we've got birds of paradise, uh, cyclonic rift at mythic. So hopefully that gives people a little bit more access to that card. I think that'll be a big chase that people, you know, justify buying packs or set boosters or whatever uh we have court of calling and you had said to fairy time raveler raveler already that's a combo piece in cdh so i think that we're um that's a great reprint there we're also getting mayhem devil as a reprint which we've only had one printing of which means there's only been one foil printing and so we finally get our second foil printing hopefully bringing that price down and then we also have cloudstone curio at mythic so some decent reprints, uh, some decent quality stuff in the thing in the set, but the proportion of decent stuff to absolutely trash is is a little bit off, and not really there for me to consider even buying a single pack. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, the value, even like just potential value, if you want to gamble, isn't there for for any magic product right now. Yeah. And, and so we're, we'll, I mean, outside of some secret layers, but like, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Buy eventually. singles is, is the message. Buy singles <laughs> and print at the FedEx print shop. Yes, 100%. Um, it, it just... It's not worth it for you to go out there and spend your money like this. And we'll see what, how that changes with the play booster. Hopefully that does reinvigorate, simplifies things a little bit. Uh, and we can have a different conversation once we get closer to that at uh, release of Murders at Karlov Manor. But another Ravnica theme set, which we're starting to see more information on as the days go by. But let's move on to our main subject for the day. We have... A conversation to be had about battles. Battles are a new card type that was uh, first introduced in Phyrexia All Will Be One, where uh, we saw that Atraxa had it written in the rules text that there would be the new card type battles. And then we saw it in March of the Machine and made its first appearance. And so the big thing with this, with battles, is that we have harped on Wizards of the Coast design for a while now, saying how things have just gotten a little out of control as far as one-offs go. We see we see a mechanic come into play. We see a new card or new type of way to play the game, and it's only introduced in one singular set, and then we just never see it again until there's either supplementary product or there's something like uh, Modern Horizons or... Well, we know we're not going to get any of these reprinted in Commander decks because they don't print double-faced cards in Commander decks. They want you to be able to open the box, play with it right out the box, and you can't quite do that if you have double-faced cards, which is why we haven't seen a reprint of like Malakir Rebirth or any of those cards from Zendikar Rising, which is another like one-off type mechanic they've decided to do. And we know they're not fearful of printing double-faced cards anymore, the thing is, is that those are the cards I would be investing in heavily because we're not going to get reprints of them until we see master sets or really uh, like I, the one thing I would say, like maybe we see a reprint of some of this stuff in Modern Horizons 3, but they also want that stuff to be new. It seems that this whole like wanting to continue breaking ground on new product, new concepts, new uh, play styles has led them to sort of be in this mess where how do you support a new card type that you threw out into the into the fray and now we're seeing it sort of like dwindle or basically we're seeing certain card types of it like rise up to the top and start to increase in price. Like the most expensive battle out there on the market is Invasion of Ikoria. It's great. Which by itself is a great search spell. Yeah. It's a wonderful tutor. I mean, we've been clamoring for a reprint of Finale Devastation. We got it. And then we got another, essentially, essentially what is a Finale Devastation, Green Sun Zenith, uh, Quarter Calling type effect. So, and the big thing is that I, I don't want to like liken it to like runes in Kaldheim because that's another like one-off mechanic where we got one support card. We got that one dwarf who like, cares about entering well it enters the battlefield and allows you to search for a rune we have very few cards from march and machine that allow us to uh inhibit battle strategies and then we had one the five color commander deck 
from this with uh Jansa uh I can't uh it's uh oh I can't remember the dude's name. It's the the brother of the Chad. Anyway. The brother of the Chad. The brother of the Chad is right. Uh it's the green and a white two mana pay five or you can tap it and add one of each color to your mana pool but that commander deck that commander deck had battle support there was a spell um that was a glimpse of the multiverse or glimpse glimpse of uh the invasion which is x and then wooberg and then search your library for x battles and put them onto the battlefield with different names so um, there's like one notable card like that that you can say that really supported battles. There's some removal that allows you to deal damage to exclusively battles. And then there's, uh, you know, and then obviously the rules change where you can now any target deals damage to battles as well. But I guess really what I'm getting at is every set that they've designed has been formed around some sort of conflict. Like, it's it's the whole point of um, many of these stories, even at um, murders at Karlov Manor. Now that we're seeing like the story on un, like unfurl, and we're starting to learn more about what that set's going to be like, we there is a central conflict that would justify printing a new battle in each set. You can do it in every single standard legal set. I just think they like unloaded everything into Margin Machine, and now we're seeing it as a potential one-off mechanic that we'll see very light sprinkling of support in the future. Well, I mean, it's a pretty complicated mechanic, and it's the kind of thing where if you want a set to be be like beginner, intermediate level for for players, it's you're just before you even get to the fact that like for playability terms it's a double-faced card like just mechanically it's a little bit complicated and so it's not going to get printed in any of those sets so there's just a very limited space to see them again yeah and you're right 100 percent, that it is complex like adding a new card type to this massive pool and this massive rule book that exists and, and i like i know that they just ended their affiliation with whatever judge like school they were like using before but i can't imagine being a judge right now with how many new things they're throwing at uh throwing at them to like learn and yeah, understand I, I mean too and like by comparison the last time they introduced a new card type was planeswalkers right yep yeah and that planeswalkers on their face are pretty self-explanatory versus battles which you have to learn the rules of ahead of time like looking at a battle card is not going to explain how to operate that card there are still so many times that like in a game of commander when a battle comes out they just give it to the opponent like and then like there's still the question like a lot of people have is like do i control this now and it's like no you don't Ultimately, it should still be on my battlefield with just a designation, like somehow to designate who is defending it, because it is still a permanent mm-hmm. that you control and that you own. And it's just still so complex for people to understand. It's, I mean, I mean, it's a sub game within the game. It's less complex than playing Scheherazade, but it still creates like a mini game with its own set of rules that are disconnected from the overall rules of the game a little bit. Right. And that, like, it allows you to exile it, and then you can cast the backside. It's 
one of those things where in recent memory you may cast right yes is it like there's some complexity right yep and it doesn't like either have it's either you may cast it in that moment or it just sits in exile for forever so that's another thing in commander where it's another like complex situation where other players can attack it and then if there's some way for them to not like a Dranith magistrate is out or whatever you're just gonna like upset the timing of the whole thing and that can be a way to like get rid of this little mini game that exists on the battlefield but uh there's always like yeah little nuances with battles that make it an interesting mechanic i will say for the experienced player for the like the knowledgeable and it's one of those things where as a new player coming into the game and seeing these would just scare the hell out of me I just I, I'm I really hope what happens moving forward is that they understand that every set is based in conflict and that they're able to just plug these in maybe like one or two a set to like really highlight the story. That's because that's one thing we've been missing with these like with sets and like how they used to be built around blocks is that you could see conflict building in the first set and then the conflict would begin in the second in the second set and then in the third set that's where the conflict would resolve or a majority of like the powerful cards in whatever mechanic they've developed like in uh like the tarkir like era there were so many like how it all developed and played out was so beautiful and so now we're doing these one-off sets you have to find a way to be able to tell the story and how the conflict on resolves through the cards in some way like the story spotlight isn't enough and these little stories that they release on the side before a set comes out just feel like extra work like that a player would have to put in to understand what is happening in any particular standard you know standard set so i think battles have massive potential yeah no they're an awesome design space like you know as a player comfortable with advanced mechanics sometimes when you're there at the table to explain them to me uh you know I, I don't mind a little complexity like and i think they do really cool things and it adds some lines of complexity to the game and like uh you know i, I think i've mentioned the star wars collectible card game from decipher on this podcast you have uh, you have and so they have things sim mechanically similar to battles as well as other layer layers of complexity that can make board states just like totally wild and you can accomplish weird things and do all this sort of stuff within the game and do all these mini games uh that like aren't traditional like what you would think a, a collectible card game does uh and i think that's awesome to do that in magic without like you know in a not unset like, because unsets also explore that weird mechanical territory, um, but they do it in a way that's like sort of unwieldy, uh, you know, and like, you know, you see attractions pop up um, because those are uh, tournament legal. Uh, for, yeah, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. But like, I think uh, battles for sure have, you know, longer legs than attractions in terms of adding mini games to like a serious design space yeah it's it's been like the onsets they deliberately break the rules and mm -hmm. like that was the case with like unstable and 
once they said Unfinity cards could be like, and they would stamp them particularly whichever ones would be legal in like Legacy and Vintage and whatever, like that's when I knew that they were almost being too safe with like those like mechanics from Unfinity. Is and that's when I knew that that series of cards if they were going to make them legacy viable or legal or whatever was dead like that series of stuff would be no longer interesting because they did they aren't able to deliberately break the rules in the same way that they did before with like unstable Mm -hmm. so now with battles like you said this has so much more potential because you can um like there are two types like right right now there's just one type but it's a battle that is a siege Right from March of the Machine, and so they have yeah, the opportunity and, and, to where it could be like battle argument because like it might be a non-violent battle that just needs yeah, resolution. I, I mean, it's a bummer that like Mer- I, I think we're for sure not going to see this card type in battle in uh, Murders at Karlov Mansion, but like if you wanted to, you could do battle investigation or whatever yes or it couldn't be investigation because that's already a mechanic but like battle uh some some form of conflict or whatever that fits that theme and it's just like you're accusing someone of the crime like because they're already doing that clue set or something like so there's potential there like in any sort of set like what like that murder mansion thing all right maybe there might be a battle run from a monster type, you know, things like that. There's so much potential there. I don't think they're actually going to do these in these baseline sets for the complexity reasons that we talked about, but like mm-hmm. there's so much potential. Like I, because I, we only see one subtype of one subtype of battle so far. Right. And the thing is, is that these battles from March of the machine did do enough to tell part of the story that was happening on each individual plane that these were like these were placed on so like invasion of new phyrexia is another battle that we're starting to see like increase in popularity in standard it's been putting on a show on arena and it is when invasion of new phyrexia enters the battlefield create x two two white and blue night creature tokens with vigilance it costs x a blue and a white it has six defense counters and then when you're able to flip it, it has Teferi, a Koza of Zalfir on the back. So we all know that any Teferi Planeswalker that has ever been created has potential to be playable. And it this one is no different because if you can just, if you can go for five mana, right? Like X is three, you create six power worth of blue and white knight creature tokens with vigilance, enough to pop the battle, flip it over, and then it basically tells the story of how, like, uh, Teferi was able to come onto this plane and invade it, because uh, it's basically the reverse, right? And this is why this one's interesting, is because the invasion of Gobicon is the Phyrexians invading another, like, a different plane, right? This is the op- opposition invading new Phyrexia. So it, it's cool that it shows, like, these warriors coming in and then the hero to fairy being able like once they break through the lines is able to come in and clean up and ultimately seize the day. So I think it like there is enough here, like, and clearly there's enough inspiration behind these to tell story and like help the player understand what the set is designed around. And that's ultimately what I'm looking for. Like you said, it could be in, you know, a battle investigation or like a battle accusation or 
something non-violent, but it does enough to like tell a story of conflict that helps promote what like is happening so the players can be better immersed. I think that's something that we've yeah, talked about. I mean, about who knows? Past. Like you you had mentioned um, you know, modern horizon sets or things like things of that nature, like as a place where they expand on uh you know where they expand on stuff like this like maybe that stuff pops up on the next modern horizon set you know set in all these different planes and in these different sets uh just different types of battles that'd be great honestly i I mean because they they did say when they announced these and they said hey this is just the sieges one type of of battle and there'll be more of these down the line uh i mean that's that's the most likely place where we're going to see them because i doubt based on sales that we're going to see march of the machines aftermath like that type of product again right which i i I retroactively take back my criticism of aftermath i do think that regardless of how expensive it was it was still a good set there were a lot of like great legendary creatures in the pack i just wish we would have gotten a little more meat on the bones Wait, maybe Bad some... delivery of a of a overall good product. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, battles complicates. We can't see the future, right? And I think that you are right in saying that Modern Horizons would be the next probable, like, and the next potential set that we see these arrive in, because it feels like the like Wizards of the Coast blew their load here on like on battles, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to see?" Uh, 18 battles in a single set. Cool. Here you go. And then it's just really overwhelming because I, I remember drafting March of the Machine and being like, well, this is a lot. There are seven battles on the battlefield all happening at the same time. And I don't have any creatures in my hand. I only have battles. So mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. find a way to like balance that. And it's, it is a complex um, situation that you find yourself in. And it, it, as a designer too, you'd have, really complex to be able to balance a set that has this many battles have enough creatures draft draft wise when you're a player balancing your deck out that way and i don't you know this would kind of be like uh planeswalkers in a set like every set has one two three ish like that's a general amount of like planeswalkers is in each set i just believe they announced going forward that each set's gonna have one planeswalker just one yeah which great i just in new sets i mean ravnica remaster is an exception because it's reprints and stuff like that and right reprints will be an exception but i think um like lore wise like they set it up in lore and then they also announced in just mechanically like they're going to print one planeswalker per set for a while like they they i think they recognized that there was an overload uh after war of the spark <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually crazy to see how far that overload and how far that like leaked over into the mm-hmm. future of the game because there was a lot while... and that probably that probably plays into their future planning with battles too mm-hmm. because like planeswalkers were uh, prior to that stuff like a lot of the planeswalkers that were printed like pretty good pretty pretty good yeah and, and then if you start making a bunch of them and printing them at uncommon rarity and more slots at the rare rarity even like more of them are going to be not so good and then it's less exciting and planeswalkers are less special um i, I mean it used I, to I think be. they still i 
yeah, I think from a design standpoint and then a gameplay standpoint, you want battles to be special when they land. Yeah. Like you want them to have like, you know, you don't want to print crappy battles like you want to nurture this new card type and print battles that like overall are pretty playable and some that are pretty gas. Yeah, totally. Like yeah. um the planeswalkers you're you're absolutely right where it felt like for a long time they weren't special because they would hit the market and we used to show I guess our appreciation for how special planeswalkers were. I think let, let's reel back to like before war of the spark Ixalan when that first Watley hit the market it was a 20 plus dollar card and it was just because it was the planeswalker from the set and like after that after war of the spark after we saw everything planeswalkers would come out and be like three dollars even regardless of how powerful they are like let's look at like i'm just gonna look up quintorius right now no i i mean it goes back further than that even where like i remember when whatever set it what whichever original well set return to ravnica set it was like jace architect of thought like coming out mm-hmm. and even when at set release only being like a 10 or 12 dollar card yeah like now like, and and now it's like a, a nothing it's bulk right yeah exactly like planeswalkers have gotten to that point they are bulk and they launched battles and battles already feel like that which is like not great for their future but i do want them to also be special like like you said i think that is the like the best outcome for this card type is to like treat them like planeswalkers to say like hey there is one major conflict that is happening here on this plane and this is the battle that is going to represent the primary conflict or the co- like the uh the climax of the story and this is how it resolves and if you play this and you're able to flip it over basically you should have developed enough like advantage to win the game. Yeah. So, like, like if if you're going to play a mini game within the game, like there should be a reason to do so. It should feel rewarding. The stakes should be there. Like, you know, every player involved should like, should be a stakeholder in it. You know, that's right. how good the guard should be. Yeah. Just to like, and, and admittedly that's super difficult to balance, but like, when they land it like you know invasion of the court ikoria is great i think mm-hmm. the backside is also relevant it's good for the game like i think yeah like to double back to quintorius like as a planeswalker dropping uh this like quintorius is good like this is a good planeswalker it is three dollars and that is that is the lowest end and that is card kingdom so uh it's likely that it's less on tcg player so it's it's one of those things where it's like it just doesn't feel special regardless of how powerful it is and so the value isn't reflective of how impactful it is to the to the game in actuality. And like battles right now some of them range from bulk to fringe even in a casual setting. And it's just yeah, it's too much if you're going to play a card that's going to pad your opponent's life total essentially, like you have to make sure that it's valuable enough to flip over. And I think that's ultimately when I'm playing arena, I play battles. I think I have invasion of Ikoria, invasion of Ixalan and invasion of Zendikar at all in any green deck that I play. And like I, I play them and then they just sit there. They, they did what they needed to do. And that's not ultimately what you want to see from them. You want to see the conflict and you want to see players 
taking their creatures aside and saying, I need to punch this because I need the reward. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of the battles don't have is the like valuable reward on the other side. I think that the invasion of New Phyrexia is the one that does have a, like a flip side that contributes to you winning the game. Where like Invasion of Tarkir gives you a 4-4 flying dragon that is win more. You know, it's whenever a dragon you control attacks, it deals two damage to any target. It feels like just a win more at that point. And I, yeah, ultimately, like Invasion of Gobakan, really well balanced. Because if you take three damage at that thing, you're getting an enchantment on the other side that helps you, like, helps protect your win cons and helps you, like, win the game. So, like, Light Shield Arrays is nothing to scoff at. And yeah, I, I love. I love a few battles. I don't love all the battles and I want to love all battles moving forward. I want to see more of them. And I, I just, I, I don't want to see them fumble the bag on this one. No one wants that, Evan. No one wants to fumble the bag. Not like the Philadelphia Eagles this year. A uh, boo. boo. <laughs> oh, wait a second. They're still in the playoffs. They have time to redeem they, themselves. Uh, yeah. They did lose yeah. five of their last six games. <clears throat> Yeah, not a not a lot of hope going in the playoffs. No, it doesn't feel good. They are in the playoffs, and something could happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Anything if can anything, happen. If anything, Philadelphia thrives when it's an underdog. Any given Sunday, and that's how I approach yeah. every single Magic game that I play. Play to your outs. Play to the last second, unless it's completely hopeless. Hey, you should listen to last week's episode. Oh, link to your outs. Yeah, yeah. Play to not lose. I'll put a put a little link. Down low in the down below in the description, you can also find our uh, YouTube channel and find the episode there, or on all major podcasting platforms. <gasps> oh, is that a plug for the show? You should all go out and enjoy a crisp Dr Pepper because this is the best podcast on the internet for Magic the Gathering. Dr Pepper, Ritter, have you? I think I think we should get into. Uh, we should reach out to the clearly Canadian people and see if we can get some sponsorship. It might be more fruitful. Uh, then well, it's definitely more fruitful. I'm drinking Mountain Blackberry, clearly Canadian. That was me blowing air out my nose. Like, uh, that mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate that the fruity, yeah. fruity joke. Yep. Uh, well, Ritter, I think we have a lot of hope and a lot of like in in built into battles that we want to see this mechanic be respected and given the. That will just be given the proper respect and, and become something that is a part of the game moving forward and doesn't end up being one of these one-off mechanics or one-off keyword type things that just gets acknowledged four or five years down the road when it gets one more card to support it. Oh, I really hope this does like become something that they introduce in every single set, but I don't want to get my hopes too high. Well, we know we'll see it again, hopefully, uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. They couldn't just make Atraxa mention battles and, you know, not have more than just this set. Like, that would... Atraxa just has to be able to do more than it already does. Anyway, I think I'm uh, I'm ready to get out of here. How about you, Ritter? I'm good. I have said every thought that I have in my brain about Magic the Gathering for this week. You've said your piece, and so have I. This has been the Mock Stars Podcast. 
If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by finding us on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and ring that bell for more notifications. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Make sure you join the Discord server, become that part of our community, and let us know what you think about battles and their influence on the game moving forward. You see some of them that exist now becoming better over time as like new cards are introduced. I think we could all have that hope for some of our pet cards that we love and favor over others. You can also support the show by finding us on Patreon, where you can become a supporter for $3 a month and get access to two exclusive channels on the Discord server and have your name turn Dr. Pepper Red. <sighs> Ritter, we really kicked some ass today. Sure did. All right. Let's get the heck out of here. Spend the Mock Stars podcast. Peace. Peace. Bye.